Question for me? You can chat with me live on America Online. That's Wednesday, May the 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. The keyword is CyberTalk on AOL. See you there. Yes, uh, yes I do remember that, Steve, coincidentally. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. So, like, we have a clip account now on YouTube that has just our clips, man. And, it, you know, they have captions. And so, like, when I'm watching that clip, there's a part where you're imitating Arnold. And he's like, oh, I got a blooper. Because <laughs> it's that close-up of him, like, with that little robotic thing in his nose. And it's just like... And that's what you said. And like, but the caption says, ah, I got a blue girl. And I just found that funny. Yeah. I got yeah, a blue caption, girl. If you ever watch any of the stuff that, because, you know, you can just put captions on for our stuff on YouTube. It's not great. You know, if that's what AI is, uh, it's not going to take us over because it, it can't even get the words out correctly. It says some pretty spicy stuff sometimes. Blue girl. I mean, I'm fine with that. That led me to think, what if he was in Avatar? It'd be like, Avatar! I got a blue girl. James Cameron is my favorite. I was supposed to be in Avatar. They were going to call it Avatar. Avatar. I mean, that's crazy he didn't get a nod in Avatar, though. James Cameron, what's up with that? All the beautiful blue girls. All of the blue girls. I want to stick my tail in your tail. Look into my tail. Rub your thresher. I'll... <laughs> finger my finger my thresher. <laughs> uh, man, I've been watching uh, very related to the '90s, the Netflix American Gladiators documentary, Steve. And I know that you haven't seen it, so I'm not gonna spoil too much here. But just you know, shocker. Those people were all on roids and having a lot of sex and fun in the 90s, Steve. That's that shit. But, you know, I forgot about... First, I forgot, like, I didn't know the whole thing. Like, we were watching syndicated shows. That was a syndicated show that they created to make money. But, uh, uh, like, the gladiators, like, I remembered some. I remember Gemini, like, the old black dude. But there was, like, some other ones that either got injured and didn't last or, like, I remembered, but I thought they were on the show. There's one named Malibu who's, like, the surfer bro, dude. And, uh, because... That was the, later seasons. No, he was, like, straight one of the first six, Steve Malibu. Oh. And, uh, you know, early on, shocker also here, the uh, execs at the station weren't checking the safety of these games. Like, nobody really put any thought into the games themselves. So, dude took, like, a hard shot in that cannonball game where you just basically did a rope swing into a dude. You remember that one? Yeah. He took a hellacious shot. I mean, the injuries that they were getting the first season were crazy as fuck. But, uh, yeah, he was only on a season. 
but dude put out a great promo after he took this shot he comes back and he's like i was just out i took a righteous shot bro and i just was like woke up on the beach and with a brew in one hand and a tasty babe in the other i was like this is fucking sh- uh sid vicious level promo shot but uh highly recommend it you gotta watch it and also dude i mean obviously there's a lot of sex appeal in the whole cast of this but young matt didn't even clock this maybe i wasn't like as into black chicks but there was a black female gladiator named blaze i remember now blaze they go out of their way she's like yeah maybe i was a some of these white chicks were like skinny and you know just big muscly chicks this chick had end table ass to the point they show a promo shot where she just has a glass resting on the top of her booty and it's i mean it's great steve it's by design and the guy who created the show and directed or no the director of the show complete pervert scumbag who's like unabashedly he doesn't care He's like, yeah, he had, like, dildos, like, while he was directing the shows, and, like, the, even the chicks, like, yeah, this is, like, a different time, but this dude had, like, sex toys out everywhere, and was just, like, crazy sexual, and he looks like if you made Danny DeVito a little bit taller. It's crazy, Steve. Very schlubby. Yeah, I mean, to the, he's, at one point, like, because he's talking so much about sex, like, somebody's kind of, like, making a joke about it, and they cut away back to him in his interview now, and he's just eating chips that are like falling out of his mouth onto his fat legs. Oh. It's crazy, dude. It Fucking is wild. Roman. I mean, basic, yeah, with a little less, like a little more hair, Steve, and a, a leather jacket. All right, you ready for the auditions? All right, just if you could suck my nipple hard enough, you're on the show. <laughs> I mean, it's he's he even says he was like trying to fuck some of the gladiator it, it's kind of weird steve but still, both of them yeah all of them steve i mean this guy probably he could if he could have gotten gemini he probably would have taken him but who knows i think if a bear's hungry he'll eat it's one of those situations you know do you think they had sex with the gladiator theme i feel like you had to at some of those trysts they had to have that pumping i mean at the end that was like the lead up to the climax and then but i did forget like the some of the season one uh like costumes that they had these people in were just straight battlestar galactica level costumery and like you know they have some of these chicks the one chick she's like i don't know what i was supposed to do but you know they'd be playing that game where like people are trying to like put balls into like the hoop while they're playing football basically i forget what that was called but this chick's titties just constantly falling out of the studio audience i mean if you're in the studio audience you were getting a free show so this is the 90s shit all that titty she got all that titty nibble all that titty meat Man, I, I want to give a shout out to Clark the Shark, man. Uh, I saw on the, the social medias that he just won a seat out there in California. Uh, I don't know what it was for. Uh, you might I know think it's like city I, council of something, you know. But dude's a he's a beast. Even now we're about to be connected politically, so that's pretty dope. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't know what his politics are. I know he is from Philly, uh, but you know, shout out to him and uh, shout out to my guy Ron. Man, he just had uh, his fourth child, him and his lovely wife Deanna. Man, uh, so yeah, man, wins, 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 man. And 
to piggyback on that, man. We just hit 3K over the weekend on Facebook. Funky, but love it. Please, yes, man. We we appreciate y'all, man. Um, that was one of the goals for this summer to hit 3K. Uh, we still got a ways to go. Let, let's get to four. Yeah. Let's hit Iowa and North Dakota and Wisconsin. Where where did T-Pain win, win, win? God damn it. Yeah, we need win. to throw that in. We need to get that clip in like an NFL like promo, Steve. Get a little of that in. Get that, that, what is that other song that they always play? It's like emo music, but it's hard. It's good. Panic. I got a feeling. Tonight's gonna be That gives me flashbacks from working at Universal Studios Hollywood that played like every 15 minutes. I'd be like, fucking kill me, please. And uh, please also uh, follow us on the other social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, man. Uh, let's get those numbers up, people. And check out the merch, too, at Redbubble. Look at it happened in the 90s on Redbubble and just, you know... Throw the like at least. We got some designs up there. I've got a couple. Steve's got a couple. We got a couple out there, Steve. There's people walking around in snapping in the 90s gear, and I appreciate that too. So thank you. Go ahead, get yourself one. Last week, price-conscious shoppers were given a box like this to try. I'm Bobby. Bobby! They have no idea it's gained with bleach. So she skimped them along in the mud and the dirt and the rain yesterday. And the mystery detergent got out that stain, huh? The mystery detergent sure did. I want to know if it's in the stores that I can buy it. Look at that. Jeez! Do you use store brands? I buy the bargain. What attracted you to those? Cost. So what if we told you this is really affordable? Would you switch? Definitely. It works much better. It smells fresh. I want to definitely switch. This is Steve G and Maggie of Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So get out your pizzeria chips and your Hideo Nomo cards, because when we think about you, it makes us want to fart. I hope we never part, you fuck. Get it right, Steve. Think, I don't want to want to live, but I want to want to think, I don't want to want to up. You know what's crazy, Steve, is that I, we've had so many episodes. You know, I don't. We, we're up there now. We're over 120. I forget what the exact number is, but uh, I thought we had already covered this, and that's how we're getting to this point where we're 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 seeing a lot of shows here, but. Old Matt, I mean, I, I thought we covered it. I'm glad we have him, because this... I love going back to Camp on the Wana anytime we can, Steve. I miss Donkey Woods. I miss Budry. He misses you too, Matthew. I'm gonna fucking fart on your face. Today, my <laughs> friend, sucks. we're talking about all things July 7th in the 90s. <laughs> Starting off in 1990, Jetsons, the movie premieres. George Jetson is forced to uproot his family when Mr. Spacely promotes him to take charge of a new factory on a distant planet. Directed by William Hanna and Joseph Barbera, starring George O'Hanlon, Mel Blanc, and Tiffany. Tiffany was in this nice. Tiffany, and that, there was a... Right? I'm sorry? Was that... I think we're alone. <laughs> is that who Tiffany is? 
She was a pop star in the 80s. I, I can't tell you any of her songs. I think uh, that's the I think we're alone now, Chip. That's what I keep saying. And I don't, I'm not trying to say we're alone now, Steve. I'm not trying to make this weird, but I love this fucking movie. Uh, people applaud Goofy Movie as like this 90s cartoon classic. And I throw this right up there. It's got a cute like alien thing in it that I remember. There's some sort of overtone overtones of like uh you know not fucking with the environment because i think the thing in this movie is like what the spacely is trying to like mine something and it's killing uh like a race of aliens i believe steve it sounds dark but yeah and it's kind of like the the whole corporate narrative i I think there's a part where he his product he, he figured out a way to spin less and make more i think that was a part of the the story that that sounds about right too you know but at the end of the day we get um there's like a musical element because i feel like jane's got like a thing for some alien pop star if i'm not mistaken so there's some cool music judy what's that it's daughter judy not jane is the sorry yeah judy my bad but judy's into some guy with blue skin i remember that she was into some dude that looks like he's from that cartoon uh short oh man i forget what it's called now but whatever uh i like this movie i like this more than the flintstones as a cartoon um this i thought was pretty cool it had like 3d graphics in it so we, we were getting like to that era where they were starting to do that in animation and as far as this goes i thought this was great dude i always liked the jetsons you know and it still holds up, man. I, I think that's one of the benefits of having a show set in the future. It, it, it makes it easier to be timeless, man. And I, I, in the same boat, man, as far as comparing it to Flintstones, it's like Fred and Barney, that like that stuff was all right. It wasn't bad, not a hater of it. But uh, the prehistoric times compared to the future where he's in space and he's got all these gadgets that are from like Marty McFly's days. And it's still like that simplistic future, like everything, the car, the car is just like a little pod with a glass roof and shit like that, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it was that for me, like, cause I mean, essentially the Flintstones and the Jetsons, if you strip away everything, it's the same thing and one's in the future and one's in the past. So I think I'm with you. I think it was kind of the future vibe, but this movie, uh, you know, this is obviously very early in the decade, but feel like they got they kind of got some shit right that started to become like really mainstream a few years later so i mean obviously what's the guy's name mel blank i mean he's not gonna know yeah and i mean i believe this is his last project because he would pass away uh that following year 91 uh this is also the last project with george o'hanlon who was the voice of george jetson uh he actually passed away um while doing this and this yeah this movie was released uh, posthumously um and uh the last project for william hannah and joseph barbera um the last one that they directed or produced not the last but i mean you know killed it and they got to use their ip and bring it into a new decade for new kids and stuff and i it, i went in all cases because i was already on this this was a heavily syndicated cartoon and i don't remember exactly when i was watching it like in a day or like what day it was um but i always love you some jetsons you know it's a good go-to and that following year july 6 salute your shorts is airing its first episode the first day or michael goes to camp 
During his first day of summer camp, Michael understands what occurs at Camp Anawana. I mean, pretty, pretty blasé description, uh, but we get everything here, Steve, and uh, to be honest with you, we get an explanation for the show that I, I really didn't know there was any explanation other than these are some weird kids that wanted to put their short, you know, their underwear on a flagpole. So I respect that. We get a lot of origin story stuff, a lot of uh, context. Uh, As the first episode is supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, you got to. You got to interview everybody. But can I ask before we get into this, did you ever have to go to camp, Steve? Because I was forced to yeah. a couple of times in my life. What were you? What are your just general thoughts on being a kid going to camp? What camp was always at? fun. I, I went to camp uh, for school. In elementary school, we went to camp uh, for a program for school. And we went to camp for church. I went to church um, camp too, Steve. Nice yeah. Christian Bible camp. Weird, weird looking back, but I never. I was a like a bitchy kid, so like having to be away from my family and my stuff, I'd always have anxiety. I remember we had a, a camp that I had to go to in Perrysburg. It was called Camp Store that we went to in sixth grade, yeah. and. Uh, me and my buddy Hans for like three days out of like the five or seven days we were there we're planning on how to get home we were those type of kids but you know eventually you settle in I actually did like camp once I got to it but it was always like something where you do feel very much like Mikey you get off and you're like worried that this kind of shit's gonna happen there's gonna be a budnik there to fuck with you you know am I gonna get bullied and teased and talk about my ears because nobody, you know, you're going in cold. You go, you go in with school. At least you know people. But like Christian Bible camp, that I was, that was a whole new thing. When you don't know anybody, but yeah, you're definitely going into a weird thing. And I don't know, man. Just like this kind of shit even exists. I wonder. Are kids going to camp? Because this seems like a like a legal liability that a lot of people in modern times wouldn't even have the. They don't want to do this shit. You know. Matthew, Jesus loves his children. But uh, the, the bus arrives and Michael gets off and, you know, he's the first person we're introduced to. And uh, Sponge, he comes along and he tells him that big, it's a big mistake coming to Camp Anawana. Uh, most of us are here because we have no other choice. We're, we have no parents. Legally, they're throwing us here. Like this seems to be, it looks nice, Steve, to me, you know, I'm not hearing any like Jason noises. I'm not seeing any of the, like the telltale signs that somebody's gonna die here. So I like that. But you, but, but you do see a ginger, uh, not only ginger, but a ginger mullet. So yeah. I don't know about you. I, I'm fine with it, but I, I know you. No, like, that's I'm, like... I mean, immediately I'm zeroing in on that and being like, hey, d who's the demon over there with the fat guy? That's, I like see him, he's got donkey lips too. And they're both mugging Steve. They're here to just, like, intimidate at this point. You know, this is the first day of prison type shit. Exactly. They're trying to scare anyone straight. Fish. And they're the muscle. <laughs> yeah, they're the muscles of that camp. I don't want to... Bobby Budnick, that's, that's his That's his full government. He introduces himself to Michael. Uh, shortly after that, he pushes him down. Uh, and we, we see him and his cohort, Mr. Donkey Lips. So they both take his bags and proceed to put his boxers up on the flagpole. And Sponge, his newfound friend, I guess, he suggests that 
Michael stands at attention, clicks his heels, and salutes his shorts. There you go, Steve. Dun, 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 dun. We run, we jump, we swim and play. We row and go on trips. I'm not going to go through it all, Steve. I could. But I mean, speaking of fire theme songs in the 90s, Steve, 91, we're getting this, we're getting all, we're, we're just revving up. We just started the fucking decade. Yeah, Steve, I mean, whoever, this is, and th- to be honest with you, I'm almost 40 years old, Steve. I'm never going to forget this song. I don't know if it's the repetition or whatever, just us loving the show, but yeah, man, salute to whoever wrote this. If it's ugly or whoever it is, I don't know, but somebody wrote this banger. And shout out to Ugly, uh, Kirk Bailey uh, was the performer, and I believe he's the first casualty of this cast. Uh, he passed away late last year in December. Damn. Uh, lung cancer. Yeah, uh, and yeah, RIP to him, man. And uh, what I didn't know about Kirk Bailey is that he was a alumnus of the Groundlings, the famous Groundlings in Los Angeles. Shit. I mean, he's great in this, you know. He's the camp counselor. He's like the go-hard camp counselor. He's the mean dean. He's the guy who's running the camp because again, there's also a guy named Doctor Oz who we always hear his voice, Steve. He's a, he's the Maris. He's the he's the uh, you know the Wizard of Oz basically, and I think maybe that's why they called him that. Um, but weird that the guy who's sort of running the camp we never see him steve we never he uggs his fucking uh he's the muscle i guess and you know something i didn't know is that they had a pilot that aired months before this episode and the characters were slightly different uh donkey lips was actually supposed to be like the bully guy and budnick was supposed to be his cohort like his sidekick and ugg was more of a monotone like serious person as opposed to the slapstickle person that we more familiar with you know yeah that's cool i mean it's not surprising i mean they were still trying to feel like figure out kids programming like this because i mean we're very early on so like we this hey dude like those kind of things we were watching as kids like this is more of like a sitcom or not sitcom whatever you want to call it show for kids that they weren't probably used to making so uh there is a lot of like sort of low budge things that you see in this episode you see a lot of cutaways that where they'll do like close-ups of stuff that you can tell that they filmed with a way like a fucking camcorder that you know it looks way different uh and i don't know why that is but Maybe it's part of the low budget aspect. They probably didn't have a lot of money to make this thing. I feel like Nickelodeon at this point, they're probably in their adolescent or preteen stage. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, obviously they're starting new stuff, but this is pretty groundbreaking when you think there were no Pete and Pete's. I remember this in Hey Dude, and there was something else that was kind of like this, but I'm kind of spacing on, but. Welcome freshman. Something like that, I think. But they nailed the kids like game show. You know, they had that. They had a couple of those weird like you can't do this on television shows. And this is a kind of a new thing. They like get ensemble cast. They got all these kids, and uh, you know they nailed it. I think all the kids they the cast was great. Uh, obviously, we love Danny Cooksey. We love Budnick. He's sort of the star of this. I feel like. And Michael's like the main guy now, but they actually like flip. He's gone at some point because I remember that Pinciotti guy. There's like a guy that's like Pins- a sausage king or something. Yeah, Pins. Yeah, I think it's, it's Pinciotti or, or something. Something like yeah. that. 
And But now uh, we're in the cabin and, you know, we're formally introduced now to Eddie Donkey Lip Skelfin. And he can hock a loogie eight feet in the air and catch it with his tongue. But Nick's my best friend. He, him and I are brothers. This guy, I mean, he, he Donkey Lips mildly you know special budniks he's the brain steve this kid's fucking i didn't realize how much of a g this dude is because he's like look kid i'm running this thing if you want anything he's a very like mobster mentality guy he's like whatever you want i got this i got that i got a fucking crate full of playboys that you can pay for me to turn the pages of which is a very g ass move i love that steve turn the page Since. for a cup for a buck steve For 50 cents, he can hold it. Shit, ew. I don't know. <laughs> he hasn't thought that one through a lot, but you know, he's got a crate full of play playboys or playpen, but I love that there's just kids with porno in a Nickelodeon show. I love that. That's the 90s, Steve. Fuck it. For me, we had one under the tree, and Michael gets uh, the bed with the big stain on it that like, I'm not too sure about, and there's a smell of dead raccoon in the atmosphere. Yeah, he's like, okay, guys, which bed do you want? You know, obviously, you guys, he knows that he's going to get fucked with, you know? So he's like, which bed, this or that? And he chooses the wrong bed. But I love, like, Donkey Lips is like, <laughs> like, the prank for a guy who's trying to G you for, like, 50 cents for a Playboy is real kind of, like, blase, I have to say. You know, step it up, bud, Nick. You're charging people for Playboy shots, but... You're just making a guy's bed collapse? Like, that's pretty dumb. Come on. Well, Matt, he's about to get roasted, toasted, and burnt oh, to a crisp. crisp. Hey! We're bad guys, right, Budnick? <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so, that shit is so corny, but it's 1991, and corny is okay. I mean, that that's a white person's handshake, Steve. They, they can't do all this, so they got to say something, it's, you know? It's very Schlitz gay. <laughs> Hell yeah. And very. then we go over to the girls' bunk, Steve. Um, we get to meet them. There's Dina, who's like the diva chick. She's a little, like, wannabe model chick. Everyone loves her. There's Telly, who's like the tomboy. She's the black chick. She's a little hot. I'm not going to say hottie. You know, okay, I used to love her, too. Exactly. I still do. There you go. And then we got ZZ, I think, is like the nerdy yeah. Sarah Plain and Tall chick, I believe. Um, and so, you know, we get to meet, these are the characters. You know, we've already met Ugg, he's a, he's a force. We got the girls, we got the guys. And really, Sponge is here to like be like the nice guy too. I like Sponge because he's the kid you meet at school the first day who's just like the kind kid. He's yeah. everybody. I I have no friends, so like any new person coming off the bus, hey, let's connect. Like, okay. I, you you play board games? I do too. Like, I know a lot about computers. Anything like technology, you could ask me. Like, let's be let's be cool, please. Please love me. Um, and then uh, you know, but Michael and Budnick, they're they're button heads. You know, uh, he's really kind of worried at this point, Michael, that he's gonna be like the camp bitch. He's like, this guy's already stolen my underwear. I should just fucking pound this guy in the face, you know? And I think Sponge is like, he's gonna... I mean, I don't understand this, the, like, fear of Budnick or Donkey Lips. It's like, Donkey Lips is, you're not... I mean, he's his threats are like, I'm gonna hit on your face and fart. 
Like, shut up, dude. But keep in mind, man, this is a kid's show. So yeah. like, even from personal experience, in hindsight, there were school bullies who couldn't do a push-up. They were just big. <laughs> and just because you're like, oh man, and you didn't feel like fighting. Like you got your mind on turtles and like what happened on like Raw last night. This caught me off guard. You want me to give you my lunch money? <laughs> Here. I, don't, I don't feel like you're you're a lot of pounds. I don't feel like having to push through. And then in hindsight, you feel like, man, I could have fucking like, I'm too quick for him. I could have like stuck, stole on him and fucking did a juke move. Exactly. You know, like, but that's in, what's in Michael's head. He's like, I could clearly just like fuck these people up. But, you know, for whatever reason, he's like holding back. Uh, there's like a baseball game because this is like the first day of camp. So like now you got, there's all these like meeting things. They're going to play baseball. So, like, in the girls' end of it, the girls don't really want to play, except Telly, who's the tomboy, and she's just basically going to be, like, an Olympic athlete, Steve. Um, she's like, I'm going to play. They go to play. And now Michael's like, I'm, I'm, you know, one, I want to impress the ladies, but also I got to do something to fucking fuck with this fucking redheaded menace over here, too. So, you know, he goes in. He goes to bat, Steve. Telly's at at, uh, at the mound and she's throwing high heat. She's gonna strike him out, which this is a nightmare as a young guy in the '90s. You can't get pantsed, get your shorts saluted, and then strike out from a girl, Steve. Hey, but this isn't any just regular girl. This is Telly Eckersley. Shit. Yeah, hell yeah, Steve. She's got. I mean, like I said, she's got high heat. Mikey almost fucking fucks it up, but I do think he fucking nails it. And uh, doesn't he? I forget how this ends, but he embarrasses Budnick. You know? Well, for, for one, Donkey Lips is the shortstop. So that lets you know that pe- they're short on people. They're just trying to work with what he's they got. got wheels, Steve. He's one of those fat people that can move. He's, he can close the distance. Oh, this is what happened. But Mikey hits it and through a series of like bad errors gets to like third base and gets into pickles Steve. we're in a pickle sitch between bud and uh donkey and yeah man uh, he ends up just like running into him just like fuck this guy Ugh. yeah i mean he says fuck it i mean you could try to t- he he deeks around uh donkey lips but he's about he throws hands at bud nick and they get in a fight and you know you can't be fighting like this in camp steve you end up in camp jail which is exactly where him and Budnick end up. And Ugg has them hold water pails. That, that's their form of punishment. And Yeah, uh, this is very, like, juvenile detention center shit. This is, like, what they do when you, like, <laughs> in the 30s when you misbehaved in, like, child jail. And back in the girls' cabin, uh, or is it the boys' cabin? Either way, the girls are around Michael, and they're just jocking him. Telly likes the way he swangs that thing, and Dan just <laughs> thinks he's cute. I mean, they're loving it. They're loving all things Mikey. And you know what? Budnick can sniff that out. He doesn't like that. He's supposed to be the camp heartthrob, which, dude, you're... Hey, hey, I hey, mean, hey, that's... Hey. Even Donkey Lips is going to get it before you do, bud. But, um... He's getting all the attention. Uh, and Budnick is like, this is a weird, like, strategy. I wouldn't have popped into my head, but I'm not an evil genius. Budnick's like, here's what we do. And it's almost like something that him and Donkey Lips both know. They're like, secret society. Like, having a secret <laughs> to what? <laughs> 
So Budnick's gonna create a secret society, Stephen. Somehow this is gonna like circumvent Mikey's drip that he's got on Camp Alana, but I didn't see it at this point. I didn't know what the plan was. Yeah, they got this little skull and crossbones thing going on. And uh, also, like, Donkey Lips, he's kind of a hater, too, because while they're swooning and wooing all over Michael, he tries to talk to Dina, and she says, your breath smells like a wet diaper. He's, it like, Donkey Lips, after that, he's like, you know, one day I'm going to ask that girl out. You sure will, Donkey Lips, and we're going to cover it on happened in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. But Donkey Lips, you know, this is a... This is a fat kid energy, Steve. He's pining for that. He wants to get with the hottie. It's not going to happen because Mikey's going to get in there. Um, but secret society mission, full effect. Um, and now, basically, I forget exactly how they initiate this, but they get Mikey in on it and Sponge because, I mean, they're in the same bunk, so it ain't really that hard to communicate. But they're like, look, guys, you guys really want to get in on this heat? really want to do this take this camcorder and get some footage of the chicks which i was like <laughs> is this like a porky situation <laughs> what's going on and, and uh, they have to come back with souvenirs which is very serial killer-esque and coming from a red-headed like demon seed i definitely see that kind of energy he's already he's a, he's becoming like a cult leader in the making um but for some reason why does Mikey agree to this? Fucking <laughs> Steve. I don't remember. Is it like they're going to get in trouble? Or I forget why. They they give them ultimatums. Because Mikey even asked, so like, what if we get caught? Uh, well, Ugg will send you home. What if the girls catch us? Oh, they'll beat you up. Well, what if we just don't do it? Well, donkey lips will sit on your head and fart. And I mean, you do want to avoid that at all costs. There's a lot of like medical issues that could come about from that, but that's all it really takes. And Mikey and Sponge agree to this, but you know, Steve, word travels quick in a camp like this. Camp Onawana, there's a lot of talking heads and the girls already know about this, you know? They, Dina, obviously she's a gossip queen, but somehow word makes it to them that you know, the boys are coming to ransack their place. So they set up like a weird, it's not quite home alone. Well, it is really kind of home alone-esque when you think about it. It's pretty much every trap all in one. And I do love that. It's pretty ingenious. And it actually predates home alone. And even though the girls know about this, Dina, she goes to sleep with makeup on because she's just a diva like that. You never know when fucking Mike might be coming in or who. I don't even. That's kind of weird, but um, you know they're not they they're not concerned. I think even Zizi's like, why are we gonna go to sleep when we know these people are coming? And they're like, this they have this whole like string alarm thing set up, and you know it's very Walking Dead. It's very uh, you know Home Alone ish. So they go to sleep. Mikey and Sponge uh, go to be maybe sexual predators i don't know they got a camcorder and they're looking to ransack some girls bugs. so they wander in uggs sort of you know searching he's looking for kids making out in bushes doing whatnot he's out there so they gotta deke and move they gotta play metal gear solid with this dude um but they somehow do get into this uh entrapment level trap that these chicks have set up 
Um, they get over the strings. They start stealing stuff. I think they get a diary. Uh, they get ZZ's diary. They get Dina's makeup kit. And they were about to take Telly's baseball mitt. Uh, but Mike was like, you know, I, I can't do that. He knows how important it is to her. So they end up taking her glasses. Which, damn, like, uh, that's pretty important too, guys. But also, they're sort of under heat because they make a little noise. And Uggs, well, I think he's like right outside, unfortunately. So he comes in uh, to a teenage girl's bunk. I feel like that's sort of questionable. Also, they need to have a female camp counselor that's doing yeah. this. But, um, Especially with Ugg. Yeah, and he's searching around with a flashlight, looking at each chick. Uh, Mikey and Sponge are hiding under a bed. Or under collective beds. And Ugg sort of, they, they would have gotten away with it. But uh, part of the trap is a time-delayed dollar bill that falls down on a string. Which, I mean, this is genius-level trapping, Steve. Like, a dollar, like, this is, he'd already clocked all the strings. But another one falls with a dollar. I mean, that's clearly not dangerous. This is just coincidental. I'm going to take that dollar. He takes the dollar, Steve. And uh, lo and behold, there's a there's a whole egg throwing contraption. There's, he gets egged and flowered and feathered, Steve. Might as well tar him too, goddammit. And, and, and while all this is going on, it, it gives the boys an opportunity to escape. So they actually did get away with it. Um, no, like, no face, no trace, no case. How did he not Ugh. see them move, though? Like, he didn't see them leave or hear them go, let's go. Sponge, let's go. <laughs> but not not only that, why didn't he move? Are we overlooking that? He just stood there and took all of the treatment. He stood there for the tars and the feathers. He stood there for the eggs. And he stood there for this cannonball luggage bag that just boosted him out of the fucking... That's cabin. the one where I was like, how they even set that up? Because it's literally like a big-ass punching bag that they got like hung yeah. vertically on some kind of pulley shit. So... Uh, maybe this is like a camp for ingenious kids, you know, like for like, it's like Professor X camp, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, they really fuck his ass up. And I mean, the visual of him flying out the door, um, Jazzy Jeff style feathered to the fullest. Like it, it looked like a hard shot, Steve. I gotta say it was a great stunt. They said those feathers actually got stuck in his throat for like hours after that. I mean egged feathered and then ug goes you know then you know mike sponge they get back they get back to their bunk and bud dick's being like weirdly like accommodating to like you know he's being friendly it's weird so but ug comes back fully engulfed and schmutz and schmutta and uh gobbledygook and he offers like i'm sorry a bribe of some pizza i believe and a milkshake which, I mean, I'm sure, I'm surprised Donkey Lips wasn't all over that immediately. I think he was plying to the fat kid. Um, he was sleep. Yeah, true that. And, you know, Budnick's like, I ain't talking. Nobody talks. So, uh, Ugg leaves. And it seems like, you know, at least in terms of the crime, they're not going to do any time, Steve. It seems like they got away with it. Budnick had uh, some, some good logic, man. You know, no, no snitching rule. I mean, this is like a prison camp because it is very much like if I don't, you got to either make someone your bitch or be a bitch the first day. I mean, that's really why this is all happening. Uh, but they do walk away with the diary. They do walk away with 
uh, like a picture, like a Polaroid, I believe. Uh, Polaroid and they think they have Telly's glasses, but Mikey's like, ah, shit, dude, I fucking dropped them shits. Which I'd be like, dude, you're on your own. If I'm Sponge, this is where the friendliness goes out the window. I'm like, dude, I tried my best, okay, but this is some fuck up shit. So they go on a search for these glasses, and Mikey does find the glasses, Steve. With his fucking foot, of course. In this giant fucking place, he steps on the glasses. And, and Michael, he actually offered his boombox for Budnick to help him. He's such a hustler, that Budnick, man. And, you know, he didn't even really need his help because he found the glasses on, uh, in an unfortunate way. And now he's just stuck out of luck. But he's feeling, he's a good guy, because he's like, man, this is fucked up, dude. I fucking fucked this person's glasses up. But like any kid, even if you do feel bad, you don't want to get in trouble. So the next day, they're like sitting around, and Ugg comes in. Or no, I forget what happens, but like, go ahead. Telly comes in with her swim goggles. She she had to default to that because her glasses got fucked up. Um, And Budnick tells Michael, hey, man. I, I know of a culprit. We, we can blame someone else. I'm in, I'm in this thing with you, you know? Secret society, man. All we got is us. And Budnick, he just blames the nerd that was sitting by himself. And they're about to give him the awful waffle. And Mike was like, what the fuck is an awful waffle? Sponge just whispers it to him. And Mike was like, no, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. They do that here? Oh, stop, stop, stop. Come on, guy. I thought that was only in Thailand shit. Yeah, man, like, before y'all do that to this innocent kid, I, I, you know what, I did it. Yeah, I gotta dodge a bit rewinding. Awful Waffle sounds like some shit that some dude, like, some shitty frat bros would do. They're like, fucking Awful Waffle, dude. First guy to j- fucking nut on the waffle, or whatever it is. It's some weird, like, Van Wilder shit. Um, and that kid was like the special needs kid also. He looked like he didn't know what was going on. It looked sad. Yeah, it, it, it did. I felt and bad for the kid. And that's Budnick, Steve. That's the evil of a redhead. But they're trying to protect Michael. And he's, he like you said, he fesses up. And uh, I like Telly's uh, pimp energy that she has for like a split second where she's like, you wouldn't lie to me, would you? It's like, I'd be like, no, are you going to hit me? (laughs) But he did try to lie, Steve, but then he didn't. And we we find out Mikey really is a good guy. He apologizes. And I mean, it is fucked up. I got to say, like, if somebody with glasses, you break them shits, we got a problem unless you immediately say you're going to fix the problem. Like, give me new glasses. You know what I'm saying? So if he's trying to get in, like, Telly's bunk or whatever, it's not looking great. Day one, you fuck the chick's glasses up. It's not gonna go good. And Budnick says he could have gotten away with it. Big jump. Yeah. Uh, you know, his, his <laughs> juice, the drip that he used to have, is dissipating, man. But Sponge, his, his ride or die, apparently, he he's like, you know what? I figured out a, a new design for some T-shirts for our secret society. Budnick, he's like, oh yeah, what you got, man? He just takes some ketchup and just sprays them with it. And then he's like, hey, man, you got to catch me, motherfucker. So Sponge has got some spine. He's not as screech-like. As well, I he's got his boy now, Steve. He's not just by him. He's not the nerd just getting picked on by, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. So he does get his. And also the chicks are really saying some shit where it's like, you guys are really getting some personal shots in. I don't like Budnick that much, but it's like, Telly's like, 
you're I, th- I thought you were a good guy you're just some worthless yeah. loser liar like Budnick I'd be like damn dude damn if I was Budnick I'd be crying from some of this shit honestly Budnick wears it well he does not give a fuck it's just he, he's got armor to that man they just throwing slugs and he's just like ah, yeah I know oh it's like a heel wrestler yeah dude he is he's like rick rude bro he's like hey i still got that fucking create a porno i i'm the king here even ug owns my shit so you know mikey's in his feels now steve we cut and he's hanging out in the bunk you know just being fucking slumming it he's just not feeling it anymore sponge comes in tries to fucking cheer him up and he's just like dude i fucking not everyone hates me fucking telly hates me i'm a dick and sponge is like whatever dude fucking sad sally over here i'm out and then we see telly fucking come out of the shadows um i think she gives him his boom box back if i'm not if i'm not mistaken he's like damn what's going on here she she wanted back from budnick after the tetherball game well, and she tells Mikey, he's like, damn, something looks, and this is a great line, too, for Mikey, I gotta say, this is a great game, he's like, damn, something's different about you, just that, and she's like, oh, well, I got contact lenses, turns out, it actually makes me see better, and they're free, so, <laughs> no harm, no foul, there's no, it's great, it all ends great, Steve. Who was um, this doctor prescribing these free contacts in 1991? At camp. Like, at camp. She got them shits at camp in a day. So whoever it is, they got the optometrist, they got the delivery, and everything's signed, sealed, and delivered, Steve. Mikey is now king of camp, apparently, or at least with Telly. And they, they she tries to back him down a little bit, too. You know, they play a little one-on-one. And uh, if they were a little older, I think this might be a problem. But, you know, this is all good fun, Steve. It's Nickelodeon. It's like loving basketball. Check yeah, out my post moves. Wanna fuck? And you know, they, they dribble out of the cabin and that leads to ZZ and Dina TP in the whole cabin because they gotta get their get back. Got to. I mean, you got to. They fucking came in your shit. And you got also I have to say, going back to the trap itself, ingenious. Effective, clearly, on the assailant. But each one of the chicks in the cabin themselves also got drenched in whatever yeah. that gobbledygook was. So, you know, a lot of collateral damage there, but they get theirs. And uh, first episode, Steve, I, you know, they said, you said they shot a pilot that we didn't get to see, but um, I, I, for whatever reason, man, like a Pete and Pete is my favorite show. That's like a, a comedy show for kids like this, but this is a close second. And I'm like, I love that we got to watch the first episode. It's a good one. Well, Pete and Pete lasted longer, so you know you got more room to, to grow. Whereas this one only lasted two seasons, I believe. Uh, and I also one. feel like Pete and Pete had a skew that it, it was more wa- they could go to a wackier level with it, just because of the weirdness of the show. Where this, you know, is pretty much what we got here over and over again in different ways. But uh, we get all the hitters, and I mean, salute your shorts. Uh, hopefully, we get to watch a bunch more because I love meet him donkey lips. Loves you back too, Matthew. Not as much as Dina, but uh, that following year, 1993, Akin releases Vagina Diner, and uh, I mostly remember Akin from Put It in My Mouth, Put It in My Mouth, Say Put It in My Mouth. But uh, this, 
is not what I expected. Vagina Diner, uh, besides being a great title for an album, uh, like the dude is actually spitting. It, it's got that early 90s vibe. Um, it, it sounds like he might have recorded it in a basement, but hey, it's the early 90s. Puff Daddy ain't here yet. The glitz and glamour and gloss, you know, it, it's still uh, 92 or no, 93. Um, so, dude can spit. Call any, I mean, call it Vagina Diner. I'm gonna check it. I saw this jump out. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will be. And salute to anybody willing to name their album Vagina Diner. I'm into it. So regardless of quality, great marketing. And on that same day, U2 releases Zuropa. And I tried, Matthew. I fucking tried. But man, this is, uh, I feel about U2 the same way you feel about R.E.M. Just know. No, it's, a, it's like a toddler telling telling a toddler to put their toy down. No, I just yeah. won't. I mean, there are some songs that, you know, it's like Journey, where if you hear it, it almost like, it's like a nostalgia thing that you remember it, but I don't like you too. I, I mean, I like the song that they did for Batman Forever, but, you know, that's only because it had Batman attached to it. Like, I just don't get it, man. Oh, you gotta listen to no, but but you know like, you gotta. Ch- I do like the South Park take on Bono. I love that. But anybody who has somebody in their band that whose legal name is the Edge, I just can't with that. You know, I just can't get over yourself. And uh, that following year, 1994, the critic is airing season one, episode 11, a day at the races and a night at the opera. Jay tries to help Marty find something he is good at, and Duke promises viewers $100 each if Jay can, can't make them laugh. Yeah, and also, like, right at the beginning of this episode, I just love, you know, they typically do this. They have, like, one quick joke, and Jay wakes up, he listens to a voicemail, and it's like, Al- Jay, this is Al Pacino, hoo I can't stop saying hoo I love this. I, man, I don't know like what happened here, like why this didn't go longer, but I feel like this is just really, even with John Lovitz, who I absolutely just do not like, it's a great show, Steve. I I don't know what happened where it didn't like, it's not more remembered and it didn't pop off bigger. You know, you'd think it would. Well, look at it like this, man. We're reviewing this episode in the summer. So there's already that, um, you know, who like we weren't watching TV like we were in the fall and winter and like that. So there's that. And then there was some network meddling, man. They started this off in ABC and eventually they found themselves on Fox at some point, man. I so, think that's when I remember it was when it was on Fox. But regardless, I love this show. <laughs> and this one is twinges at my heart because it's about a fat child who's not great at stuff <laughs> so Marty's, i can yeah. sympathize um but jay does the the, uh, the the actual opening of the show is jay doing his show and we do get a great movie review where he's reviewing i think a sequel to silence of the lambs where it's basically the like the two main characters living together and it's basically did you eat the kids with hannibal lecter I think. <laughs> something of that nature it was great it- Marty, like you said, he's no good at anything. And Jay, being the dad, you know, he's always trying to cheer him up. Look on the bright side of things. You know, uh, I, I didn't think I was good at anything until I became a reviewer of shitty movies. Yeah, and uh, one thing that is sort of hanging over this episode is like a through line is that Jay is 
you know, his boss is always on his ass. And Duke's like, your ratings suck. And he's like, well, what, like, what am I going up against? And he's like, look at this. And uh, actual video footage of a laundry machines doing better than he is at the ratings. And people send money in for the laundry machine. So he's going up against that. His son's feeling bad for himself. And uh, Jay goes, like, after this field day event, which, you know, I think all schools did this. But Jay's son goes to, like, this model UN school that's, like, filled with these amazing kids. He sucks at everything. I, he does a shot put, and I remember, like, the girl's name was, like, Testosterona or something. But, like, he's just getting bitched out, like you said. Um, the African, like, head of the school completely just always is shitting on Jay's kid also and has, like, a really bad sense of humor throughout this episode where it's like, this guy is, like, traumatizing these kids. And I love that energy, too. So he's like, this kid is fat. Ha, 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 ha. Um, it's not, he's not gonna do it. He's not setting these kids up for success. But he does take, uh, his son out for, like, a, you know, you're, you're, doing good kid dinner and we meet Vada I think who's like the, the restaurant owner who's his buddy and his son and I love his son comes out and he's like Jay your appetite is so big we bought like a we went on vacation or they bought a yacht or something so like these the the Sherman family is just getting it on all ends and Jay we find out he is them magazine's wittiest man alive 1994 and that's what leads Duke to making this gesture of, if he can't make you laugh, I'll give you all $100. And he doesn't know what he's in for. Yeah, that was dumb as fuck. <clears throat> but uh, also one other thing that we do meet, at, like we kind of glanced over, is that at that field day, we do meet Jay's ex, who I think is named Ardith. And she's like a yeah. tough ass bitch. Uh, and at one point, she he tells like uh, Marty that, Oh, it's okay to if you don't win anything. I've never won anything. And his wife's like, didn't you win the biggest breasts at that wet t-shirt contest? <laughs> it was a great line. So, um, you know, aside from going to this horrendous school, this kid's not going to... He has no talent. Um, we get a flashback of Jay at his honeymoon, too. I mean, the, this, this DNA is fucked up. Um, Breaks the waterbed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so they're trying to figure out how to make Jay funny. He's got a month to make, you know, these people laugh. Uh, he's not doing well. So two weeks before it happens, uh, Butch is like, hey, we got to do something here. So the first idea is to get Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which I love. Uh, it's actually him and his voice as well. And Kareem's, you know, he's the head honcho and Jay's his, like, puppet. And Jay, uh, he even says something about being, a, like, embarrassed about this and it doesn't matter kareem's just there for the checks dude. was kareem featured in the clerks animated series too did he do a cameo on that i think so i think you're right about that man it's been a while i love that show too that's not in the 90s but i wish it was oh man, man, oh, man. It, it, so good. It, and so jay has marty try out karate and his first opponent is the eater of the souls who looks like <laughs> shokan uh, oh, you have awakened me from my slumber. <laughs> and Marty does not want any part of that. So Jay's like, you know what? We're in a big city. Let's just change up the, the drip. Let's change the fashion up. 
and we can change the look and just, you know, maybe change our look. So they go to a big and tall, which again, fat memory, this was the nut shot of being fat. You already hate going clothes shopping. Then you got to go buy fat clothes at the fat store. But Jay's so bloated that it hurts. So bloated that it hurts. <laughs> like he's in there and his son is just not feeling it. Other than uh, he can do like this weird yoga stomach thing. Stevie figures out, but immediately some chicks like, "Ooh, look at that fat kid." <laughs> and then they end up going to Guitar World for long-haired drab Dodger proprietor, and Jay tells him, "See there, musicians don't have to be handsome." Two words, Lyle, love it. And Marty says, "Well, I thought he was handsome." Oh no, you've got him confused for John Levitz, which I totally agree with. <laughs> I do like that. Nice one, John. Um, so now Marty's got a guitar. He sucks at it, like everything else. We do see Jay hanging out with Ardith at their home while Marty's trying to play a guitar. She's pissed off, which great, like get back at your ex move, buying like a drum kit or a guitar, you know, I love that. Um, and the, the upstairs neighbor is pissed off too. He's like, turn that music down. His teacher told him to practice. I am his teacher. <laughs> um, so they're, you know, they're worried. This kid's already teetering from, you know, just jumping off a cliff. Um, but he's gonna do Yankee Doodle Dandy, I believe. There's some, it's some so shitty song at this UN talent show that they're gonna do. Um, so if the field day wasn't enough, the next week they got to do this. And also coming to a head is this whole Duke promising everyone a hundred bucks for Jay making them laugh because Jay making everybody laugh. People are now rioting because they want this hundred bucks, including Jay's mom and dad, who he's like, mom and dad, I haven't made you laugh. And they're like, no, not at all. It's my money and I want it now. It's called the uh, Jayola scandal. And one old lady, she says, uh, even his roach spray doesn't work. They just make the roaches look like Jay Sherman. Ackham, <laughs> Ackham. This sucks. This movie sucks. Yeah, he hate, I mean, no one likes Jay Sherman. And I don't know why, what Duke was thinking, but he actually has to go to court for this, Steve. There's a whole court case, which I love. Um, and at one point, uh, Duke has to go on stage and it's very, uh, you know, uh, what is Henry that? Henry Kissinger? Well, whatever the Jack Nicholson, a few good men where he's like, oh. you can't, he looks like that. But he's like, they say something and he sort of, what does he say? He like incriminates himself yes. or something else. Yes, I sold mustard gas to cadets. <laughs> no, to oh, Gaddafi. No, He's like, I sold mustard gas to Gaddafi, whatever. And they're like, we're talking about this Jay Sherman thing. He's like, oh. <laughs> I, I meant the mustard gave me gas. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the judge, I think he's so rich, he like appointed the judge or whatever. So that's not a problem. Um, but it's not going well. It seems like maybe he's going to have to pay millions of dollars to, I guess, the nation or New York metropolitan area. And, um, but Jay has to come up to, to the stand. So Jay approaches the bench, bends over, I think, splits his pants, uh, and makes everybody laugh. So case dismissed, Steve, it's as easy as that, you know? I could walk a mile inside your pants. 
And then, so we have the annual talent show, and we, we got Jay Hendrix. He's going to do his Yankee Doodle Dandy. And uh, but first, we have an Iraqi impressionist, and he does this Tonis, Tony Curtis uh, speaking honestly about U.S. policy, and he does a Johnny Carson to boot. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Everyone loves that. I mean, Marty's being put at the back of this thing, and everyone performs a hitter, right? Everyone's doing great. That guy. Um, then some Spanish chick that's like a, a little Carlos Santana comes out and starts like plucking some strings. Wait, come on now. Before we get to Andrea Hernandez, the the, the focal point for me, the reason why I wanted to cover this episode after I wanted the, to let you do it, Steve. I'm a, sorry. After, a, after the Iraqi impressionist, we have the boy who used to be a girl. Oops, it used to be a secret. And he's going to dance and sing his country's national anthem. And they laugh. And the, the one of the guys, he's like, he's singing of all the people who died in the earthquake fire and famine of 1805. Oh. <laughs> oh man. How could you not laugh, Steve? I'm sorry to the nation, but it would have been hilarious. I wouldn't have been able to help myself. Can't help uh, he would have won to me. if I would have awarded that kid the, the medal. But, you know, we do get the Carlos Santana chick. And I do like she's playing an acoustic guitar, but then it turns into an electric. And just, she just starts shred citying it, Steve. And she steals even the song that fucking uh, Marty's going to play, which I think that's like some lip, some subliminal war shit you know what i'm saying she's trying to fuck with me some salt in the wound man she she starts off with that and goes off into this eddie van halen riff and marty comes up and as soon as he plucks the string pops and he's just like uh so he starts belly dancing and people are taking on to that more so than they took on to andrea hernandez doing her Jimi hendrix shit and his belly can smoke a pipe it can wave a flag it can do stop motion animation I mean, he has like a, a Iwo Jima memorial to this shit at one point. There's like some kind of thing he adds on the end, but yeah, these people are into a kid who just like strips strips down and just starts belly dancing, which shame on everybody in the room, but you know, own it. This kid fucking works, Steve. This is a RuPaul Drag Race moment. He just, he's got what he's got and he uses it, Steve. He, he does. He works it, man, to the point where he's, saying. <laughs> he, he's selling out theaters now. And he's a successful businessman. He's going to Madison Square Garden and, and doing the whole nine. And he's successful while his dad becomes successful as the world's fattest man. Yeah, he's definitely got that. He's got. He's got, He's the thousand pound person. He's like the first TLC show. It's going to happen. But shout out to uh, Marty, dude. Becoming a world-renowned stomach virtuoso. I mean, this is a, there's no one. This is the first of its kind, Steve. So he's not only become a virtuoso, but he's just carved out a niche for himself that you gotta respect. Chris Farley is blushing watching this. Hmm. I mean, do you think it's it's gonna turn into like a sexual thing once it, 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 this is gonna boogie nights its way into something sinister? I think. It always leads to sex. Maybe they should. They could have done a collaboration. 
Marty yeah, Sherman. Yeah, hell Jr. yeah. And they're buddies, too. Their dads are buddies. Hang out. Boopy. But uh, somebody who probably didn't watch this episode of Critic 1994 is probably Robert Zemeckis and Tom Hanks because Forrest Gump premieres. The history of the United States from the 1950s to the 70s unfolds from the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of 75 who yearns to be reunited with his childhood sweetheart. Directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, McKelty Williamson, and Sally Fields. I mean, it was a hitter, Steve. The sound. This was the soundtrack time too. This had a double disc soundtrack and just really the greatest hits of America. You know, it was all the classic rock, all the shit you heard in the movie, and it was one of the first CDs I ever owned. Oddly enough, when it comes to '90s classic films, this is at the forefront. And you know, this this shot, Tom Hanks, the Stratosphere. He had just won for Philadelphia that previous year. And he wins again. He went back to back like Drake, like Michael Jordan. And it's weird that it's just crazy. Like this movie on paper, like I wouldn't, expe- you wouldn't expect it to be such a thing, but man, they nailed it. All the, the you get to see him go throughout time. Sinise, everybody in it killed it. Everybody's memorable. Sinise, Lieutenant Dan, you know, it's his mom. I mean, you throw on that scene where he's talking to his mom right before she dies. Like, I'm going to start, I might start crying thinking about it. He's like, why, why are you going to die, mama? It's just like, they really know how to tug at your heartstrings in a way. It's like, they're not making fun of anybody. Like, he's playing a special person, basically. But he's like the greatest special kid of all time, Steve. Of all time. He just does what needs to be done. And he's good at it. Uh, He's running and he's just going to keep running. And he runs to the point where he gets a full ride scholarship at Alabama playing for Bear Bryant. And he rubbing elbows with some of the greats, man. Uh, he even, I guess, taught Elvis's dance moves. I don't know. Tom Hanks must be half black. So, uh, or Forrest Gump's character. And he's meeting JFK, LBJ, Nixon. He fought in Nam. He won the respect of the Black Panthers. Uh, All-American in ping pong. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, he met John Lennon on the Dick Cavett show. And he was an early investor in Apple. So, stupid is, stupid does. My mama said, yeah, I just got to give a special fuck you to Jenny. I never liked the character, Jenny. I think she's a piece of shit, Um, but I get it. And this movie will move you. It will make you laugh. Um, It will make you want to eat some shrimp. And uh, it created not only a career for Tom Hanks and a lot of people in this movie, it also created a restaurant franchise off the back of it in this movie so successful. But I still think, I'm sure Bubba Gum Shrimp still exists someplace. At Disney World someplace. So, uh, I don't know what you think of the movie. I don't really go back and watch it too much. I feel like I watched it a lot as a kid and like growing up. But still have a, like a fond place in my heart for the movie itself. And it's one of those great movies that uses music. Uh, to the benefit of the movie like it really gives it puts that punch to each time period and I think that's why the soundtrack's so good you know yeah I mean they're already proven songs and um, but it's like the perfect song you know it's like some I know the Vietnam era there was like a sound to that like there's a lot of sound like songs that people always put in movies about Vietnam but I feel like every even the just like the basic score of the movie 
uh, throughout that they tie into it. Uh, it all works so well. Like this movie's, I don't know. It's just like really technically really well done. And it did a lot of cool CG shit to put them into like historical events that way yeah. before it's time too. It's probably crazy expensive. Way before AI became like super huge, man. And if you think about the, the characters who turned down the roles in Forrest Gump, David Allen Greer, Ice Cube, and Dave Chappelle turned down the role for Bubba. Could you imagine that? Uh, Tupac Shakur actually auditioned for Bubba. That's crazy as fuck. It is. It, that's always weird when you see like who it could have been, because it totally changes the tone of the movie. But that's why they picked the perfect people, dude. Was Sinise famous before this? No. No. Yeah. None of these people. Or Robin Sally Wright. Field, Sally Field. Oh, Sally Field. Sally Field. Yeah, of course. Okay. There's that. McKelty Williamson. No. Uh, they actually considered Harry Anderson. He was the first choice. Uh, the oh, judge from Night Court. Uh, Night Court judge? Nah. Lara Kep shows up as a cameo. I love that. But we also get Haley Joel Osment as Little Forest, which. Haley Joel. He killed that. That's probably why he got six cents. Exactly. And uh, the reason Harry Anderson, he turned it down, he was unavailable because he was shooting for Dave's World uh, on CBS. That that was a short-lived sitcom. And I'm sure he's paying for that. Uh, RIP to him. Uh, this is the second highest grossing film of 1994 behind Lion King. And like, yeah, man. Yeah, man, this is like a memorable time. Like even Lion King, dude, that movie, for whatever i don't know whether it's just because of the way we like consume media and stuff but i just remember re-watching forrest gump so many times like it fascinated me it was like a really even for a kid like I, for whatever reason like this movie really i we should you know we didn't want to cover it because of time but it's just a banger and i i love me some tom hanks and i love me uh some gary sinise so shout out but we both hate some Jenny. Yeah, fuck that. I mean, I, you know, there's probably some, she came from a broken home, Steve. She came from a fucked up place, but I mean, some of the shit she put Forrest Gump through, the man's, a, he's a great man. He's special, and she knows that, and she just like took, she played with his heart. Like, I get it, you're from a broken home, but like, all he got is his mama, and his, his dad ran out on him, and you know, she she's, you know, opening them cheeks just so he can get into school. Yo, yo mama sure do care about your schooling, boy. <laughs> I love that, too. That kid's... But Little Forest is a badass, dude. Fucking ran his ass out of those leg braces and shit. I mean, all of it. It doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any fucking sense, Steve. But it just is great. I love when he punches that fucking bitch-ass white dude that's in with the Black Panthers that Jenny's with. Love when he punches that guy in the face. It's great. I showed her how to dangle. She showed me how to read. I showed her how to slime. Forrest, I hope I get... I want to run far, far away. Remember when she's saying the prayer when her dad... I mean, this movie, like, really goes dark, and it's, there's, like, some crazy shit in this, but... Man, it's cr it's wild to think like Tom Hanks. I wonder if this he you know he had Philadelphia. He was gonna, he was already there, but man, this was like one of those movies that shot him into the straight up stratosphere. You know, I don't know if Philadelphia was gonna be that thing. I don't know if it, the career got as big if he's not in this because this is a big ask. 
Like, I wonder how much time he had to, like, perfect what he was, like, this character. Because you might do, like, a simple Jack thing and fuck this all up, you know? Easily. It's crazy to think about, you know, but dude's a G, dude. He's a legend. It's Tom fucking Hanks. What are you going to do? And then, uh, 1997, July 6th, In Your House 16, Canadian Stampede airs through WWF on pay-per-view at the Canadian Airlines Saddle Dome in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And this is Brett's stomping grounds, the, the Hart family, Owen, Stu, Helen. Stu's out there still. He's hanging out. You don't know what's going on. Jerry, the, I'm sure Jerry the King has some shit to say, as always. Look at, dude, look at fucking Owen, though. R.I.P. Man, R.I.P. to two legends there. Is that who's the guy on the yeah. right? Is that Benoit? That's B.B. British Bulldog. Oh, okay. Man, my bad. B.B. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the only cool thing that he's ever done, Steve. That B.B. Man, you're gonna find some love in your heart for that for that performer, man. You know, I get it. The braids were annoying. They're very cringe. But man, you know, he, he's a legend. You know, he he was a part of the era where tag teams were fun to watch had you gave you something to look forward to like that's the 80s tag team division that was probably the best uh for, for tag teams not just in wwf but the nwa in general man um you know from the the british bulldogs the heart foundation the road warriors the killer bees the rockers the rock and roll express the midnight express um in British Bulldog, he was he was a part of that, and he was a part of the the golden era boom in the eighties. Um, but I agree, those braids you should have never. I mean, he couldn't ever. work a mic either. You're right, he's part of history, you know. But is he? If I'm going Hard Foundation or anybody in that little area, I mean, he's way at the bottom. There might be a guy cleaning up the mats. I'd rather hang out with. You know, but you're right. I'm gonna find it. I'm maybe I'll go to the Bahamas or something get some beaded braids and figure it all out, Steve. You never know. Matthew got his groove back. <laughs> this pay-per-view is actually like highly touted, man, uh, amongst the reviewers and critics. Dave Meltzer of Wrestling Observer, uh, he said this was the best major show for 1997, man. In uh, 2013, uh, WWE released their list of 15 best pay-per-views ever uh, with In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede ranked at number 10. That, that says a lot because they've had some out of all the WrestleMania, SummerSlams, Royal Rumbles, man, for that to get this high of a ranking, man. Um, and I watched it. You know, it, it's a pretty solid show. Would you agree with that, though? Like, to that high of a ranking? Because that seems high. It's, but, you know, you do get that. At, at that point in 2013, it's still, it's too fresh for me because like I just watched it. That was my first time. This happened in 97 uh, before the, the Stone Cold thing really kicked off. Um, but watching it, like it, it's a good show, man, because it's got like a lot of the people that we do like from that era, man. Uh, shout out to Vader too, because I watched an internet video where Flash Funk was like answering questions and he asked, somebody asked who was the smelliest wrestler that you ever had to go up against? And he said with unequivocally Vader, who's what, like, I think he said Vader's his God, like his son's godfather, 
but he's like that dude smelled so fucking bad in the ring which i love so i could see that smell yeah. like cheese from under well, he said it was the mask he's like you can't right you can't wash that shit but he's like you get up next to that that shit was funky and he's got it's crazy he had to walk around in that big van vader though steve it's, walking around that's dedication and so as you can see it's got undertaker and vader taker won the match you know he's defending his title that he won in wrestlemania 13 and they put on a good show man they're they're knocking each other over and down and everywhere man and there was also a match with hunter hearst helmsley and mankind uh, as you could imagine china she's there running her interference uh mankind throughout that match he gets fucked up a bunch uh i mean what what else is to be expected but yeah, in this match yeah, Hunter, Hunter and China, they're both taking him to town. You know, China got some licks on too, but it's Mick Foley, Steve. He feels no pain. I don't think he does. Or if he does, he just doesn't give a fuck. So either way, dude, fuck it. China, slap me in the fucking jaw. And in the main event, man, it's... Uh, the Hart Foundation, which is Bret Hart, Brian Pillman, British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, and Owen Hart, uh, against Ken Shamrock, Goldust, Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal, and Stone Cold. And they each have promos before the match. And on Goldust, he starts it off and talks about his involvement and how all this started. Hawk and Animal, they both have their words that they have. When it's Stone Curd, Stone, Stone Curd, <laughs> Maybe that's a new character. Stone Cold's turn to talk. He says nothing. Just walks off. He's just with the shit, and I'm here for it. And th this is like a bizarro world pay-per-view because it's in Calgary. You know, Brett and those guys, they're booed at this point in America. Over there, they're just fucking... Kings. Showing the taste They're, they're the national animal, I think. The Heart Foundation. That's the national bird. They're in their homeland, man. When Stone Cold comes out, they're booing him hard. He gives Hell no yeah. fucks. He still goes to the ring corners. And not only that, he's giving that two-bird salute. And just Hell like yeah. unfazed, unbothered by this. I love this. Like That's I don't it. that charges him up. I feel like booze just... make Stone Cold feel better than praise, dude. Oh my god, yes, man. And at some point. Because Stu, you know, the family's going to be there. And they, they got Stu and Helen, and it's one of their brothers. He's wearing a leather jacket. I think it's Bruce. So, like, Bruce, he throws a fucking uh, cup of beer at Stone Cold when he's close by. And Stone Cold, Bruce. like, yeah. Come on, Bruce. Fonzie. Hart. A little bit later, Stone Cold just knocks Stu over, man. Stu is standing up. He's just like, ah, get that shit. <laughs> <laughs> sit, down, sit down, old man. Get your ass out of here. I don't give a fuck. I, I don't care if I'm in Austin or Alberta. Shit. That's <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, that's why then. Stone Cold not only got to... Did they win? No, they lost, man. They lost. See, I, that would have been great. Stone Cold just walks into Canada and just fucking wins and flips him the bird. That's great, but... <laughs> I love... I love they put random people together and gold dust is there. It's like everybody else, it kind of makes sense. But then you got Creepo over here. <laughs> yeah, and just the, the look on Stone Cold's face, that was the tone of this promo because everybody else went first. And then he has just nothing. He's just, because he's listening to them as they're talking. He's just like, yeah, mm hmm. 
just serious as fuck, man. I don't care about none of this shit y'all talking about. I'm ready to kick some hard ass. And if Stu wants to get involved, he can get some hands and feet too. And Hell. you know, they, <laughs> it, you, you, you got to get that with Hawk. But the the Hart family, they had to win. It's Calgary, so Vince, you know, he wants to get his money's worth. And the Hart family, they're celebrating at the end. They bringing in their kids. British Bulldog got his son. Owens got his son hoisted up and everything. Stu and Helen, they come out, and the whole family and extensions come out. Stone Cold comes back, limping. They apparently fucked up his knee during the match. He comes back limping. He's trying to kick everybody's ass in there to the point where the authorities had to get in there. The, the authorities get involved and they handcuff Stone Cold. They don't escort him. They just handcuff him to the point where he just, he walks out with his hands behind his back and he just bends over with his fingers behind him, still flicking everybody off as he's walking back to the aisle. Fucking gangster. He's a off. legend, dude. He got, he got arrested by the mounted police, Steve? Yes. They hopped off their horses to arrest Stone Gold, and I guess they, they give you the privilege of walking away. Yeah, yes, hey, hey, hey. you can hey, just hey, walk into to, the car. We have to arrest you, eh? Get in the car, eh? You can walk. We, Did they have, have tasers, you. Steve? Was the Mountie accurate? Tasers. Oh, wow. God damn it. So wait, he wasn't a real Mountie? Fuck me. I don't even think they were Mounties because they didn't have the whole get up anyway. They, they might not even been cops, man. They might have been like Vince's staff that just like wore some uniforms. Well, shout out to Stone Cold because, I mean, a man can get arrested in style and apparently that's what he did. So shout out to that. I love that. Man, I, I swear, I, I don't know what my adolescent years would have been like if it wasn't for this man. It just—it was like somehow WWE to like, like tapped into the like tone of what young young men wanted at this time. I don't know how they figured it out, whether it was the music or just somebody knew, but just the intensity and like how just like fuck you attitude that they had. I mean, it was the attitude era, but it's just like, it was the perfect moment in time for all this shit. It was just like Stone Cold is, <laughs> was like this boy, like the visual of the voice inside of a lot of our heads. A lot the of our heads. And, and that brings me to the thing of, thank you, Steve and Angela. Thank you, Sonya and Mr. George Leroy for doing the thing that you did at the time that you did it, because you know, the, couldn't have been a better time to grow up. Yeah, right. I mean, when you, especially when you're like looking back on it now, it's such a nostalgia time for us when everybody's so into the '90s and into like the time when we grew up. And it really is like there was a lot of fucked up shit going on, and you know all the bad stuff. But the good stuff was so fucking good, you know. And like the, whatever it was, like I just feel like maybe it's because we grew up in it. And I'm sure everybody always says this, but. I don't know, man. I think we were like the last generation, Steve. We're the last good generation. Everything else is trash. Everything else is trash, man. Uh, but you know who probably didn't watch this shit in 1998, Matthew? No. Probably American cowboy actor and singer Roy Rogers, because he passed away July 6, 1998. Roy Rogers. Never saw the man's work. Uh, I believe he had a restaurant of some kind for a while or, or uh, something. He had the, Didn't he? Had the California Angels. Oh, damn, Roy. My bad. 
the Anaheim Angels of California, of Los Angeles, or whatever it is. Yeah, they're, they've always been extra. Uh, but yeah, man, he might, he might have owned a restaurant because clearly he was a businessman. But uh, yeah, man, and they actually gave a shout out to that in the pay-per-view because Jeff Jarrett had a match and they were talking about how like yeah his uh idol couldn't be able to see this today as he passed away uh but yeah man uh, roy rogers was actually born in cincinnati ohio and uh he passed away in apple valley california at the age of 86. rich as fuck love it roy killing it and apparently jeff jared was a huge fan so don't say anything besmirching about him steve slap nut well now I'm, I got it twisted, man. Did he own the Angels or am I getting him confused with someone else? Well, all I'm saying is there was definitely like a, uh, like a restaurant a Roy Rogers and he was an actor and he was fucking rich as fuck. And he was probably getting some puss in that weird ass outfit he has on. Um, and shout out to anybody who wanted to be a cowboy in the 70s or whatever this was, because he looks like a white parent, and I love that. Yeah, it's kind of like what Arthur was wearing in that episode of the Larry Sanders show. You know, I, I don't, this is the era of like Hollywood that I don't really care too much about, like the Bonanza shit and like all that, like, you know, it's, this was just before our time, but Roy Rogers, this was like one of those names that even people of our age remembered. He was that famous. Any callbacks, honorable mentions, or conspiracy theories you'd like to share? I just want to give a shout out to Blaze, the American Gladiator that I mentioned with the end table ass. Because again, like you need to watch this documentary, Steve, if only for the the still shot of that glass on it. Uh, but as a whole, I forgot about how much I loved American Gladiators. I forgot about some of the games, and I would love to, as an adult, be able to do this. Like, if I could do American Gladiators now, I would at least try out because I think it would be fun. It's like Discovery Zone for adults. Man, go up against those uh, PED users, man. I don't know. Dude. Good luck. There was one dude that they, like, mentioned. His name was Titan. It was, like, a big-ass black dude who was only in, like, a few episodes because he went off. Like, they were, like, Roid Rage is real because, like, you know, this was not scripted. But there weren't refs that were like trained in American Gladiator rules, so I guess like he took something personally and physically like chased a, a, a ref during a taping off of the set because he was so pissed off. And people wow. like even in this documentary are like, yeah, it was kind of freaky, like it was scary, so we had to let him go. Yeah. <laughs> grand, um, grand, grand close. Yeah, but American Gladiators, watch the docs, Steve, because you're gonna love it. I can't wait to talk about it with you. What about you? Anything going on? Any uh, outbursts or anything you want to apologize for? Well, in uh, 1998, WCW is airing Nitro. Um, and man, let me reverse this. Uh, I said Roy Rogers passed away the same day as in your oh. house. You don't you have to reverse this, Steve. Roy, <laughs> he's dead. He ain't gonna. He ain't gonna say nothing. Well, yeah, he, he passed away in 98. But anyways, uh, WCW Nitro is airing in 98, man. And this is the one where they had the Georgia Dome. Uh, Goldberg finally gets the, the world title. Uh, but what I forgot was he had to do a preliminary match against Scott Hall. 
and Scott Hall had taken some time away. And at this point, Scott Hall, he's kind of looking like saggy, man. He, he, like that, that alcohol is getting the best of him. He's not looking like his his like cut up self, man. Um, so Goldberg had to make an example out of him just so he could face Hogan because Hogan for a while, he, he was just like, I'm the champ. I could say who I could fight and who I don't want to fight, brother. And you know, the, I, I can't remember what the stipulation was, but it was like, no, you have to fight Goldberg. He's won the privilege of facing the champion, blah, blah, blah. And Goldberg finally makes history. And I remember it being a big deal. I wasn't a fan of it because I'm a Hulkamaniac forever, uh, even Hollywood. And, uh, you know, but Goldberg was a thing. And, you know, he, he struck gold up to a certain point with this. Well, I mean, I just, I, for whatever, I'm the same way, dude. I'm a Hulkamaniac forever. But I remember, you know, Goldberg was a thing and it was like, cool when they first introduced him he was like a juggernaut but that like turned for me pretty quick like i got annoyed with the whole like undefeated shit i don't like there's no it's like superman it's like i don't there's no movement in this character i don't need to i'm not impressed with this you know so shout out to goldberg like i'm he can kick my ass he's a badass but uh this was why you know you just said why i didn't like wcw at this point um know it was kind of like being ousted by wwf because they were cooler but the scott hall like the only time i got to see my favorite wrestler was them just shitting all over him and i know he's fucked up and like doing a bunch of fucked up shit but it's just like man fucking why you gotta play scott hall I remember at one point like they just had him like come out and like puke on somebody because he was too drunk to fight it was just crazy dude so they fucked up like making people's personal lives into the storyline and uh you know uh, across the cable networks on, on raw that same night uh, we had the bra for it all and uh they they have already had this for the the previous two weeks i believe and we haven't talked about that before they did a dark side of the ring episode solely on this bra for it all and just how catastrophic it was man uh you know the mma thing is starting to become more popular so this was vince's idea let's let's put some boxing gloves on them but they could still wrestle they can brawl they can they can punch each other but if they can throw them in a grapple or power bomb maybe um and they expected dr death steve williams to win this because he was a legit tough guy he was a oklahoma sooner uh he's all american apparently and he was a real badass uh but the guy who actually won uh, was uh, Bart Gunn, uh, Billy's old teammate from uh, the Smoking Gun this. days, man. I remember yeah, that. And, and whoever won that, the Brawford All Tournament, gets to face, uh, is it Belly Bean, Butterbean, in the following year's WrestleMania. And that ended in like two seconds because Butterbean's about that life. Yeah, dude. Shout out to a fat guy who just has straight brick hands, dude. That guy wow. could straight. <laughs> fight like a motherfucker he'll knock you out so i do remember that though and like bart gun also was just like nobody wanted it anyway you know i was like okay you're gonna make these guys box i guess that's kind of cool but it's bart gun i'm glad he got his ass whooped. yeah and uh man the big valboski had a match again against dustin runnels who's going by his government name now and i just found it funny because this is actually done in uh in pittsburgh uh and oh, he says black and gold i i've scored more in beaver stadium than joe <laughs> <Lacerno>. <laughs> i 
I figured you love that one. That's great. Big Valboski too. I love that nickname. So shout out. Yeah, man. But uh, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Please tell your little sister. T T P P T T P P. Check out our buddy Clark the Shark, Crush Gasm with Kendra. And don't worry, be movie with Amanda and Wade. This is Steve G and Mad G, but happened in the 90s. Beep, 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 beep.